0: Yes. Hey, ma'am. yes, ma'am. What's good?
1: How you doing there, brother Ray? It's good to see you. You looking all hydrated.
0: Hey, listen. you know, it's always, <laughs> it is always amazing to be in community with you, uh, Dr. H. And so uh blessed and highly favored. Um So, ma'am, you are just wrapping up your semester uh, or you have wrapped up your semester as your second uh, semester as as an adjunct professor at the American University? Yes,
1: I am all wrapped up. I should have my last papers are due by 11.59 tonight. Mm. So if any young people are watching that they, end my class, that they make sure they submit their papers. But it was a good semester. This is my first time in, in higher ed. It was always something that I, that i wanted to do and there were a lot of highlights i think you know when you like us have spent so much time directly working with students or working with teachers working with coaches mm-hmm. and then you leave that you kind of miss that um that relationship too yeah. so i really appreciated um, one like i'm grateful that i had the opportunity to do it and it also helped me realize that there are a lot of ways to inspire and that's encourage true. and push things. Yes. Yep. Um, so, yeah, it was great. Shout out to my students and um, Ed Policy Implementation from an Anti-Racist lens.
0: That is what's I, that's, that's what's <laughs> I, So, you know, last semester, uh, I, I was at AU. Uh, uh, this semester, uh, also at NYU as well. And so I love my students at NYU. Uh, shout out to them if they're they tuning in. Uh, they give me great joy. Uh, NYU is the number four ranked the uh, School of Education school in the country.
1: Can you that's remind cool. me the the one that's ranked number one though?
0: Oh, um, right now, who knows?
1: Oh, it I I know who is, <laughs> it's the gonna... University of Pennsylvania is it? Oh yes, it is. It has okay. been for the last seven years from I don't I don't I don't believe that to be true. What? somebody pulled the
0: tape El Michelle oh, do you, you, I do not I do not believe that to be true Yes
1: not, you, Penn, you school of education Yes sir number one rated school of education really? Yes where where's where
0: where's TC in this in this in this conversation
1: all, all I have to do is worry
0: about the school I go that I went yeah. to But tc yeah, TC's got sure. to so, be top 5 I
1: wouldn't doubt it they have some amazing people there but
0: Okay, so if TC's top five, I'm working at NYU and I went to TC. <laughs> I mean, hell, I feel you're good right? about that. <laughs> I feel good about those numbers. Hey, and 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 my alma mater, like, hey, University of St. is always in the top 100 of schools. So, I, hey, listen, let's not let's not do that. Do
1: you think that that kind of thing matters? Do people care about ranks and ratings anymore? So here,
0: here's here's what I will say: It depends on what world you're in. Right, it depends on what world you're in, and 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 that that uh that makes a difference in terms of like your what college you went to. So, for example, if you were in Baltimore City public schools and you went to Morgan State or Coppin State, then they're gonna look at you like you went through a quality edu program fitting to work in Baltimore City. Okay. Right. Okay. Whereas. If you're trying to work on a federal level, then they're gonna look for more. So, like, you know, if you went to an Ivy or if you went to like a really good school, yeah.
1: I think it depends too, like what you want to do and who you need to like be with. So, if you're thinking research, then it probably behooves you to go to one particular kind of school. If you're thinking about reform or like teacher development, I think it also matters kind of what your strand is in education. There's some. Programs that are cranking out really great folks around curriculum yep. and assessments, and then there's some other programs that are cranking out really great teachers and really good, you know, administrators. So I think it just depends. But Penn is ranked number one. Just
0: I'll, I, hey, I'll fact check. Don't worry. Oh, I know. So, so, folks, so- if you <laughs> folks if you are in this audience, I just learned today that Tito's Vodka, handcrafted vodka, is uh is gluten free, gluten free, no carbs. So we in these streets. <laughs> All, right. All right, let's jump in. So eight, you hit me, and you said, "Uh, Jr. Smith." So folks who do not know Jr. Smith, Jr. Smith is a former National Basketball Association player. He played for the Cavs. He played for the Knicks. Played for the Lakers. And I'm pretty sure there may be a team that I'm missing because the original team that he came in the league with, I don't think was any of those teams, right? And so, oh, the Hornets he came into the league with, right? And so pretty pretty solid guy, uh, nice jump shot, about 6'8", crazy hops at one time, right? And so he played 13 years in the league, uh, won two world championships, uh, one with the uh, Cavaliers and then the other with the Lakers, right? And so uh, after his playing career, uh, J.R. Smith decided that he wanted to go and play golf at North Carolina A&T, Right. And so, you know, it's been some controversy in terms of, you know, how he's shown up on campus. Um, I know there were some things uh, way back when he was talking about uh, Greek lettered, uh, black Greek lettered fraternities and sororities or whatever. That kind of caught my eye. But um, uh, he had had a 4.0 his his first semester in college and then had another 4.0 his second semester in college. And is the uh North Carolina AT Athlete of the Year. And so H, what you got to say about that? So when
1: I immediately saw it, I was like, well, look at that, good for him. Because I think so often we think about athletes, especially those who play either in a high visibility sport or with a high visibility team as only being one particular thing. Um, and so the fact that he didn't have to like leave professional basketball and go to make like Geico commercials or like, <laughs> the Car Shield commercials, that he could say, I want to go back to school of all the places to go. He went to an HBCU mm-hmm. and he's playing golf. And I'm sure he has tutors and support and and things that are helping him to be set up for success so that he mm-hmm. can enjoy school and not have to worry about, you know, a lot of the demands, the young people, they got to balance work and mm-hmm. paying tuition and mm-hmm. jobs and roommates. So he is doing it with probably all of the amenities that make it yeah. so he's able to like focus on the thing. Yeah. But it also got me thinking to, you know, imagine if more of our young people Thought or knew that there were so many potential, so much potential, so many more opportunities for them outside of football or basketball. Like imagine a 12 year old J.R. Smith playing hockey mm-hmm. or golf or tennis or all of these other things. And it just reminds us that we don't have to have one narrative for what we do. We don't have to have one story and that you can be 35 years old and start something completely different and be successful. You know, we often talk about teachers or people who leave administration or who thought they had this career of one thing and then they decide to do something different, it -hmm. doesn't mean that their life is over. There could be a whole nother career, a whole nother avenue that you can experience success in, just like J.R. Smith.
0: Yeah, shout out Jr. Smith out here doing yeah. his thing. Oh, uh, so, of the so but, but one of the, one of the craziest things about this old Jr. Smith situation, right, is because like he chronicles this on social media in terms of like his college experience, right? And so, uh, you know, he'll 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 talk about like his uh his classmates and how they try to get him to come out because you know when he was in the NBA, he was a partyer, he was this, he was that. And these um, and chronicles are the saying, uh, man, I'm 36 years old. Like, I'm not gonna be out partying with y'all and, and, having, and having to get up early in the morning or whatever, right? <laughs>
1: You're <laughs> like my knees are shot. That's a that's a young liver you're trying to get to. This a this a 35-year-old liver with some
0: miles on it. I can't that's do that. I remember i remember because I remember when I was in grad school, man. I remember as a as a as a as a profile dean in a line, right? And so I'm like, man, I'm not trying to like, oh go come come go to this party with us, whatever. And I'm Like, what party? <laughs> Bro, I, gotta go to <laughs> work for, I gotta go to work in the morning. You talk about going, going to a party, right? So like it's crazy how those priorities shift and i I'm glad that he's made those adjustments in order for his priorities to shift and, and for folks to be accepting of that. Like, it's okay when your priorities shift. You can't do what the young folks is doing anymore. Sure.
1: And shouldn't your priorities shift? Like, God, I certainly wouldn't want to be doing and interested in the same thing, out things that I was five years ago or 10 years ago, right? There's a, a level of evolution that we should be growing and exposing ourselves to different things and have different interests. And he's still probably... Cool. He's been able to transfer
0: yeah.
1: some skills, right? There's probably some discipline. There's probably some athleticism. There's, I'm sure, some, some studying, some cardio, some <laughs> muscle development, right? Some stability and balance, things that he was able to use to be successful in one sport that yeah. he's been able to transfer to something completely different. And it's golf, which is traditionally looked at as a very elitist, mm-hmm. right privileged sport and so he not only is he able to do it but he's able to do it and excel and so i mean good good for
0: him yeah no he's a pretty he's a pretty good golfer right from 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 what i'm reading from my understanding Mm -hmm. folks if you if you're in this audience and you're on your second career let us know what your second career is if you're riding with jr smith let us know if you think he a hoodlum and he can't be redeemed (laughs) let us know too no because
1: (laughs) thank god for redemption thank god for second chances
0: all right so Keep keep Keeping in in our our theme, right, uh, for this show, right? So we're going to start with keeping good teachers, right? And so before we start with how we keep good teachers, H, I got to have you identify what a good teacher is.
1: Yeah, so good question. What is a good teacher? So when I think about a good teacher, I'm thinking about someone who puts students first, someone who is willing to do whatever it takes, someone who is uh, an expert or growing towards being a master in their content and their craft, who understands that this role of teaching is bigger than just what happens from eight to three. They might not be a master teacher yet, right? We've got teachers who are learning and growing and who are managing classes in different ways and and who are learning how to grow students, but good teachers are committed and they are um, reflective and they care about what happens in their classroom and they care about what happens to the kids outside of that. So that's the people I'm talking about. I'm not talking about the people who are only trying to do it for two years to get their loans relieved. I'm not talking about the people who live in one community and come into other communities where students and families are relying on them and, and and have a deficit mindset around what they can do and what they can't do and what they should and shouldn't have. Those kind of people we don't need but there are some really great teachers who want to be good and want to show up, who who are leaving the profession. And not just leaving their school or leaving public education, but who are leaving the field. And I think that it's, it's our responsibility as someone who is supposed to be concerned about the current state of education to talk about what it is we need to do to help inspire and encourage teachers to stay. Too yeah. many of them are leaving. I hear so many horror stories about teachers who have been evaluated and... They weren't clear about what they were supposed to do or they felt all of this pressure and and they're leaving before we get a chance to develop and grow them. And so we yes, we need to work with urgency because we're talking about students lives and we don't have a lot of time to waste, but we do owe it to those people who are committed to growing and learning to invest in them so that they stay.
0: Well, H, I'm gonna take a different road here.
1: <laughs> really, I'm I'm surprised by that, Ray. I'm surprised that you that you disagree. So,
0: so, so, so here here's here's what I'm gonna say about about what good teachers are to me, right? So, good pe- good teachers to me are dependable folks, right? Like folks that understand that there's an urgency in education, folks that understand the fact that you know these kids need them, right, and that uh, teaching is a calling. Right. I think that we don't talk about that enough in terms of like what teaching really is for folks, especially for good teachers. And so when I say a calling, I mean that you don't look at this like it's a job. You look at it like it's a career. Right. Because uh, if you look at something like it's a job, then most people's jobs are are, are, are it's, it's expendable. Right. And so but when you look at something like it's a career, you're looking at it like I'm going to do this for the rest of my life, regardless if I do it at this school or regardless if I do it at another school. I'm always going to be doing this. Right. And so I need that level of investment in a person before I'm uh, just riddling out these statements, calling people good teachers or whatever. Right. But then to take it a step further, age, I think you have to be a good person in order to be a good teacher. OK. Right. Uh, we see so many folks that are like, oh, I'm not here to be the kid's friend. I'm not here to do. You don't have to like me. You don't have to do this. You don't have to do that. But I think when you take that approach and you have that attitude, you're not really thinking about the relationships that you have to build in order to push students to where you want them to be. Right. And so, of course, not if you're an adult in a situation. So, of course, I'm not asking you to be the friend of a student, but I am asking you to have like that empathy that you're going to need in order to be able to make that connection with that student. So, when a student is not performing the way that you want them to perform, you can you can press those buttons in order to get them where you want them to be. But then also you can do the detective work to know why that student is not performing the way that they need to perform. We get a lot of these educators that get in the building and they're like, I don't care about why you're not doing this or why you're not doing that. And like, there's no level of empathy as to like, why students.
1: Haven't to an extent, haven't we tried to make teachers think that their job is to like, not take it easy on kids and to like, and like whip them into the shape, and the world is easier for you. Like, I heard you guys talk about this um, on um, the podcast, A Black Hands, on Sunday. Right. But there's also like, there are people who think that that is what they're supposed to do. And some people, black teachers too, yeah. who are harder Oh, on so we're
0: not giving, we, so, so, so what, we, what we will not do is we will not give black teachers, we will not give Latino teachers, we will not give Asian teachers, we will not get white teachers. We don't give teachers no passes. Yeah, we
1: don't give them a pass. Yeah. But I think we often think to ourselves like it's our job to be harder on students because the world is hard. And I'm going to be hard on you, so if, you know, when you go up and you get out there. Like, they think this is just some kind of hazing. And so I think yeah. your point about being a good person yeah. is good, but we, we want people who are good teachers and we want good colleagues because yes. if we have good colleagues yes. then our colleagues will help us when we need support. They'll create yeah. the conditions where we don't feel embarrassed if, if our kids aren't, aren't doing what we need to, them to do. They'll yeah. give us help. They'll, they'll step in, they'll mentor and model for us and help to, to build us up. But if we want teachers to be good and to be the ways that we are describing, then we need to pay them better. Yeah. We yes. invest in their development, and we need yeah. to recruit them in a way that makes them understand that they are valuable, and not that this is just something you do until you check some other thing off the list, and that you shouldn't be doing it for two years, and then decide, well, now I want to be a school leader because school leaders make more money, right? Like yeah. that's not. Yeah. I'm looking for people who want to be in class but, but
0: but but as but as an administrator or as somebody that's like as as somebody that's determining if these folks are going to get jobs or not like you become like the gate holder the gatekeeper in terms of like who's coming into your school that's right you become the gatekeeper in terms of like who is able to interact and engage with your students right and so a lot of us need to take that job a little bit more seriously in terms of like who we put in front of these kids it can't just be all right well i need you to fill these seats right i need right. you because i don't i need a body or whatever right like i i i can never be the the body filler or the seat filler in terms of like who i want in front of my kids and the reason why is because i'm too invested right like so you know one of my one of my things and i know a lot of school leaders are 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 this way right what will happen is um you'll see uh you'll see folks that Put their kids in their own school right and i think that when you put your kid in your own school it's a a different level of investment that you now have to have in terms of like what you are willing to accept and what you are not willing to accept right and so if i'm saying that this person is not good enough to be in front of my child teaching my child then i'm also saying that this person is not good enough to be in front of any child teaching any kids right and i think that when you have when you have that to risk Right. It's a different playing field in terms of like what you're willing to accept and what you're not willing to accept. Right. Because for me, I'm not willing to accept anything that I wouldn't allow to be in front of my own kid in sure. front of anybody else.
1: Yeah. Well, I mean, I think about me. Right. I I was a good teacher. Like I, I was I was a I was like a great teacher. <laughs> um, and i like not to pat my own back, but like I was really good. I was a great teacher. Mm-hmm. And what made me a good teacher is I, I knew what I needed in order to get better and so i remember going into my colleagues classrooms and and watching the way that they did things i remember getting there early and trying to mimic the way that they would do things because i saw how they how they moved i, re- I was always taking classes i was always reading books i was always problem solving and writing out scripts not because i felt like i couldn't do it on my own but in those beginning years you have to like yeah. build up the muscle to do yeah. those things yeah. and more some of my best teachers who were experts, have been working with students so long, they could look at a piece of writing or look at a piece of student work and automatically know exactly what they needed to do. Of course. And what I think is that I think we we miss an opportunity to highlight those veteran teachers.
0: Yeah. In tell, in the building.
1: Master coaches, yeah. where they are have a half day schedule, where they are rotating and teaching the best small groups, where other people are coming to watch them. We need them in the building and And that is, to to me, if I did not have amazing principals and coaches and colleagues, and almost of of many of the people I started teaching with in 99 are still in in classrooms. They're still teachers, right? They are master educators and can teach any kid, any place, any time. But unfortunately, the last two years has made them feel like they have not been able to enjoy the things that they love so much about the work Mm -hmm. in the same way.
0: Yeah. So, you know, I get that, right? I'm 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 told like the last 2 years have been a blur in terms of like what we have accepted, what we have been willing to accept or whatever, right? And so yeah. for me, for 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 me as as a leader, like I've seen uh an extended covid grace uh to the point to where it's like, you know, you're a school leader and you know that someone may not be if, for your kids, may not be in the best position to 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 be in front of kids. But it's a global pandemic happening, right? And so, you know, you don't want turnover to look a certain way or whatever because you don't know what you're gonna be able to get based off the fact that it's a global pandemic, right? And so, you know, I I think that we made decisions that were safe decisions and not necessarily the best decisions, right? So there were a couple of people that could have been turned over and a couple of new teachers that could have been brought in, but just extending that grace because of you know what's going on or whatever, but that's over for me.
1: Yeah, but that's extending it. grace also is not like lowering the bar, too, right? And so it it's is changing. kinda. Well, I, I think extending grace is recognizing that there is some additional support that's needed, but it, it isn't like you get a pass. Like. You get it passed means I'm going to overlook it. Me giving you grace is like, I recognize that it is because of this, but this is still the standard, right? We mm-hmm. still want high engagement. I know it's challenging to do that virtually, yeah. but yeah. we still want high engagement, right? Yeah, Please but some feel- people
0: some people are never going to get there. So like regardless of whatever kind of professional development plan you put together. And like, so, so I'm real, for students, right? I'm real big on individualized education plans, right? So like every kid has their own IEP because every kid learns differently. And every kid should have those levels of support that special education students have, right? And so, like, even your general education students should be looked at as special education students because it's like, how am I going to support you to the best of your, to the best of the ability that I can support you? I always looked at it that way, right? Yeah. And so I look at it the same way for, uh, for teachers, right? Like, every teacher should have an individualized plan in terms of, like, how they're going to improve because not all teachers come to you from schools of education that are robust, That are putting them in a position to where they're at go from day one, right? And so different teachers need different things. And so as as an administrator, you got to be in those classrooms, right? You can't be behind your desk. You can't be doing this email shit, shite. You can't be doing this email shite. (laughs) (laughs) You got to be in these classrooms giving teachers feedback. Uh, meaningful feedback, not nitpicky or whatever. Not
1: nitpicky and not yeah. on something that you don't know and understand. And so I get, yeah. I appreciate that point. And you know, for me, I was like, hey, listen, we got to get high quality tier one instruction together. Mm-hmm. Like, I can't, we mm-hmm. want to jump right into differentiation and acceleration. Let, let's just get the first <laughs> 45 minutes of the 90 minute block right. Let's get those core practice is right because if we can get high quality tier one instruction happening for the most part we can close gaps and get kids where they need to. 100
0: 100%.
1: and then and then we can talk about the different but if we can't even get the first tier one then then we got problems we got
0: problems so here's to, to your point right um if you're able to get tier one instruction like tight right you're closing gaps. You're closing L gaps. You're closing special education gaps. You're closing like oh, every, every you you're closing um uh your tier three gaps, right? Because like the, the, the way that you help students that are students that fall into that tier three level is by giving them really good classroom instruction, right? Gotcha. And a lot of people don't really understand that. It's like, all right, when I take you into a small group, I'm breaking down things even further for you, right? Which is part of tier three. Um, but if I'm doing that in tier one, then you're getting two double doses of what you're not learning. Right. So you're getting 2 you're getting two attempts to to, to master a standard. Right. And I think that, um, you know, it naturally nat- natural inclination as a teacher is for you to teach to the middle. Right. You're not teaching to the lowest students. You're not teaching to the highest students. And a lot of us teach the way that we learn. Right. Not saying that learning styles are a thing, because I know that there's research that disputes that or whatever. Right. But if you teach how you if you teach how you learn, you're not really taking into consideration how others learn.
1: Right. Well, one of the things that was the most impactful when we were thinking about how we needed to develop our math teachers is we developed our math PDs by putting them in the seat of the students. And mm. so for many of them, they had to like work out the problems. Now I'm not talking about just solve but I mean, they had to like solve the problem of the day of the week. They had to show their work. They had to explain their thinking. They had to swap with each other. So if I was a fifth grade teacher, I did the fifth grade problem of the week. And their mm. coaching with their coach was around like getting them to understand how they solved the problem and what other ways there were to solve the problem. Because mm. too often we miss these opportunities where if I decided to draw my model one way, Mm -hmm. That was a cue to other students to draw it the same way. And and we were forgetting that there are so many other ways to learn, to solve a problem. But a good teacher knows that. But a good teacher knows that, but a good teacher also knows it and gets to practice it because we yes. can say it all we want to. But it right. wasn't until they actually had to do it that we could see this like shift in the way that they were thinking. And so if teachers began to th- shift the way they thought about what they were doing, it helped open them up to opportunities to think about the way that students were responding to work. Which so- helped them control and let students talk and engage more with the content and less with the teacher.
0: Right, and so had an interesting conversation with with uh with, with, with one of my administrators today, right? Um, so the conversation was was around parenting and around professional development, right? And so you know, I'm like, we need more professional development days, you know. And then the argument for for the um from the administrator was like, we got to take it to a consideration parents and you know parents having days off or whatever, you know, in order for teachers to be trained or whatever. And so my my pushback to that was school isn't babysitting, right? And so until we get away from the notion of school is babysitting for parents, right, then people aren't going to take it serious.
1: Yeah, but I mean, you know, that was a big, huge argument about why we opened in some places when it wasn't safe because if they, we need somewhere for them to go and be. So I need the schools open so that the, the city, so that the town can open, right? Yeah. And I think, you know, too often with professional development, I just, I think that we get it wrong because we think about, we exclude certain people from PD. Yeah. We um, miss the opportunity to to lift up master teachers in our own buildings. Of
0: course. Who yeah. We
1: don't record them enough. We don't, we don't use their lessons enough. We don't use yeah. their scripts enough. And we pay these outside folks to come mm-hmm. into our buildings so, and to give us a model that, totally that doesn't work.
0: Totally, totally against that right because like I, the teachers that are in the building know the building right and but the the, the thing that you got to do as a leader is that you have to build capacity right so you have to build their yeah. confidence in order for them to know that they know right because yeah. like a lot of folks don't really know that they know and then also if you have these coaches and these coaches can't go in and model what good instruction is why are they coaches Be yeah you know some people are <laughs> coaching because they you know because they put in the time?
1: Because they can't pass the admin twos exam. Because they're trying to, you know, become a principal and there's no vacancies and I don't want to do that anymore. So I'm just gonna coach, right?
0: If, anything you know, to get out of listen, let me tell you something. When I first got when I first uh got into when I first got into teaching my first classroom, Lake Clifton Eastern High School in East Baltimore, right? Baltimore City Public School. And uh I had uh, uh, a department chair, her name was Carolyn, I won't say her last name. She probably not. She she's retired, but still. Oh, maybe not. Maybe she's not retired. She might, be anyway, she might not be retired. She <laughs> might, might still be somewhere. But what I will say is this she was the absolute worst. Right? She could have come. I'm like, listen, so I'm a first year teacher. Like, if you want, if you want come, come show me how to do. This. That was my thing. Like, come and show me. Like, I learned by seeing, right? Come and show me how to do this. Oh well, you know I haven't taught and da 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 da. So we can't even really have good conversations. Yeah,
1: yeah. There's a lot of there's a. I bet that there are teachers in your building and in your district mm-hmm. who are better because you believed in them, even Best. when they weren't where yeah. you where they needed to be. Yeah. And I don't know that we and and I think we got a administrators, school leaders, coaches, district folks. We got to show that we believe in teachers, that we believe that they can get better, Uh that we believe that with the right coaching, they will improve, Uh that we believe that with high quality instruction, they will meet and exceed their goals. Uh Um, I I don't know that, that that we express directly how much it matters that we believe in them.
0: Yeah. Um, and no, there we were so many it.
1: people who believed in me when I didn't think I knew what I was doing. And then when I began to know what I was doing, I can say, like, I remember that they encouraged me to do that, that they believed in me, that they modeled that for me.
0: Yeah, um, that's important. That's that's important. Right. For somebody yeah. to believe in you, that's definitely important. It's the
1: same for the kids. Right. I had kids who I said, oh, no, you can do this. And they would look at me like, for real, mm-hmm. like, you think I can. And I would be like 100 I, percent. I, why? Why couldn't you? But we, we, we lose that piece of, of of teaching and learning because we're often bogged down with things to do and things to check off and things to manage and monitor. And we forget that, that the teaching business is the, and is the people business and that people need champions for them, they need people who believe in them, not who gonna let them slide, that they need people who will encourage them and support them even at their worst, <laughs> especially at their worst, right?
0: Listen, because there's a lot of there's a lot of worse things that that are happening these That's days right. with these kids. But we ain't gonna talk about it. All right, so moving on. Um, all right, so keeping good teachers. What about the bad teachers? Right? Because like, because listen, we don't admit this as we don't admit this as administrators. But a lot of times, you know, you know, folks are looking at teacher attrition rates or whatever, right? And so you know, there'll be some times when you're like, yo, listen, I don't want this person in my building, right? And you'll have to keep this person or you'll... It's like one of them things like, damn, all right. I don't really want this person... But is there another person that I don't want more than this person? Because I know that I can only hit a certain amount of folks that I can't bring back. Right. Right. <laughs> right. And so, like, can I live with this person for another year or, or whatever? So, like, those are the types of conversations that administrators are having right now in their boardrooms, in their war rooms or whatever. Right. So, trust me, if, if it's happening at my school and I know it's happening at other schools as well when folks are going through this evaluative process of, like, who's going to be a value add and who's not going to be a value add. Yeah. And by now, you should know. You should be able to, like, you should have walked through classrooms, did observations, given feedback, know who's going to improve and who's not going to improve, right? You right By may, you know who you're bringing back and who you're not bringing back.
1: For sure. I mean, that makes me think about that little chart with skill and will. Mm Mm-hmm. And thinking about, so if you're high skill and high will, you get what we got to keep you here and happy. Mm
0: -hmm. If you are
1: high will and low skill, I can give you the right support. Mm -hmm. If you are high skill but low will, then I can find some ways to motivate you, reconnect you to the vision. But if you are low skill and low will, then the best we can talk about is how to minimize your damage and the negative impact and Mm -hmm. and what we need to do to help you get to where you need to go because this is not that play. Mm-hmm. So, so yeah, like we we need folks who are high skill and
0: who are high will. um But also, H though you you know, and you I know what kind of administrator you were, and you know what kind of administrator I am. You got to be willing to have these tough conversations, right? We need some of the administrators that come in that want to be friends with these folks, right? It's like first off, I ain't friends with nobody, right? I'm not friends with nobody at work, right? Because like when you are friends with people at work, it does not allow you to make the best decision that's in the best interest of students, right? Yeah. And so when you are able to separate any kind of friendships, I might like you a lot, right? But you're not you're not going to really know that. Like you you know, I, you'll know that I appreciate you as as my colleague, right? But you're not going to know my personal feelings towards you because like once I start to have personal feelings towards you, then it convolutes my thinking in terms of making the best decision for students.
1: Yeah, I hear that. Now I'm gonna also say I had a lot of people who were my friends. Um, people who were my friends before I mm. was appointed principal who mm. left good, nice, stable schools to come and help me build a vision and and, mm. and and those are people who I am forever indebted to. Kendra Heffelbauer, Judy Bowers, Erica Hardy, Jamia Child, like people who Martin Spinner who were teaching and were like, I'm happy here, but you know what? I hear that Harrison over there trying to do some something, something meaningful in the community. Let me leave where I am and go there. So I mm-hmm. think friends in the sense of people who you love, respect and who believe in your vision are necessary. Without friends i had who came to work alongside well, hey, me hey, was, that's
0: different though right i'm talking about administrators that got low self-esteem that come to work to oh, make yeah. friends.
1: well we gotta talk about them too because there's a lot of administrators out here with low self-esteem who don't know content who think that just because they become a principal that that's the gate key to do anything else and they can't help teachers they don't respect families and they don't like kids either
0: that part right there, that part is so essential to, to to talk about, right? Because you got folk, you got folks both in the teacher ranks, you got folks that are both in the administrative ranks That's and hate right. kids, right? So it's like, yeah. how the hell are you in education if you don't like kids? Like this and, ain't and a police a job. This That's ain't right. a job. That's not go work in customer. Go, well, you can't work in customer service because you no. don't like people. Go just just go, go start a, post- a nonprofit system. or something.
1: Go start a yeah. venture capital. But don't, but don't, and who are also like who like don't believe in kids. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like you don't even believe that they can do it. You don't, but you talk terrible about teachers when they're not around. You yeah. talk horribly about parents. I used to say to teachers, "I want you to talk about kids in these data meters like their mother or father was sitting right there. Talk, talk about them like their parent is right there." And then we we'll, let's shift the conversation because
0: if you don't, they But hey, if they disrespectful to parents, how you if, if they this was, if some of these folks are so emboldened to where. They look at their level of privilege and they talk down and condescending to these parents so much so to where if you say something like, hey, yeah, talk like these parents are in the room. That doesn't change their behavior.
1: Yeah, we need to we need to figure out a way to like find a, a part of the licensure process it's Mm. not just about praxis two and three scores Mm. and like praxis core but like about your like your human capital like who what you know what i'm saying like
0: that goes back to what i was saying it's like in order to be a good teacher you almost have to have to be a good person
1: yeah that's true it's a lot of good people who can grow to be good teachers and a lot of so then here's the question do we believe that there are because there are no are there good teachers who are not good
0: people? I don't think so. I think you. I almost. I think you almost have to be. Folks in the audience, if you're listening to us, here's the question. The question is: Can you be a good teacher and not be a good person? Right. So like if you if you if you're in the audience, let us know if you could be a good teacher without being a good person.
1: Yeah. And I would also, that just be teacher? Could you be a good doctor and not be a good person? Could you be No, a
0: good you servant? can't because like because think about you it. You can't be a good servant if you're not a good person. Right. But but think think about this though, right? If you're if you're you can't be a good doctor and be a good per- like regardless of even if you're just coming in to do a surgery, there still has to be some kind of bedroom um, Sure. some yeah. So you, can be successful.
1: you can be a successful doctor and be a horrible person yeah well be a successful teacher and be a horrible person
0: yeah but that doesn't make you a good teacher just because you're right.
1: successful yes and so what we have to do is we have to start thinking more broadly about what it means to be successful
0: yeah because like because right because think think about this right like right now how what's the what how do you quantify if a teacher is a good teacher you That's look at the cool. results Right. You're looking at you look at test scores, you look at their results or whatever. Right. And so then based off of the fact that they may have a, a, a high, a highly rated student growth score. Right. And they're able to move kids. You then think that they are effective in the classroom, highly effective at times. Right. Um, but that doesn't necessarily equate to them being good people. That's right. Like you can it have, have people be that, a
1: good colleague. They yeah. might show up late to duty all the time and never pick their kids up. And never or, and, and don't share and never participate in the Sunshine Committee. They might be a horrible colleague, but they H, can move their kids from red to green, and then all of a sudden H, they teach her the year. How, where they H, do that at?
0: H, 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 I hate the Sunshine Committee.
1: <laughs> you don't <laughs> want any, there's no yeah, sunshine. No, They'd be, they be, do.
0: they be doing too much. Sunshine Committee do too much.
1: Yes, we need the Sunshine Committee. Now, I no, knew we, that no, wasn't my forte, so I needed other people to do that.
0: Right. But I but knew no. that
1: people. people like the Sunshine Committee, though.
0: No. If you're in the audience, and you're a teacher and you like the sunshine committee and you think that the sunshine committee is a necessary component of a good school let us know in the comments please note i hate the sunshine
1: what are you going to do for teacher appreciation week
0: hey listen that's out of my hands Hey, it's out of my hands. Hey, but hey, but but rest rest assured, rest assured, my team will make sure that they feel appreciated. They but but listen, we do we do Teacher Appreciation Week twice a year, right? Because I like, guess not just during the the ordained uh, Teacher Appreciation Week. You show teachers you appreciate them all the time. Do. Like, it shouldn't take a week in order for you to show teachers that they that that, that they're appreciated. But here's the thing, though, if you are a teacher. You shouldn't be coming in with no expectations to be, uh you know, to to to, to be celebrated either, right? Like you,
1: you, you, it... you handle teachers in schools like relationships. Like Listen, if I didn't know anybody, you could be like, well, I I should show you I care about you every day. I don't need no Valentine's Day, no or day. Fact. there you it is. Go based on three, there it is,
0: days. and then we come. With- we come over here. We come over here during this week because you know, because you know, it's this Teacher Appreciation Week. What? Where's the? Where's the food? Where's this? You, ain't cook? Food. <laughs> you ain't cook. You ain't You ain't last night. Teachers need to feel
1: loved and supported.
0: You and don't need loved. that week. Just you don't need just that week to feel loved and
1: supported. That's true, but but a lot of it minute for some administrators, that is some of the only times that they are intentional about the needs nah, and. Morality.
0: I'm, I'm intentional. I'm <laughs> Not intentional.
1: all of them, but there are some. Because we just talked about, there's some principals who don't like their teachers. They don't
0: like teachers, they don't hey, like... Hey, listen. but in, in, in their defense, there are some teachers out here that do things that make them not want to be liked, too. that yeah, okay. For example, because we're giving out examples, because yeah. people, you know, we can't just say things, blanket statements, and not give out examples. That's right. So, if you have a student, right? So, you have a student that's having uh attendance issues right so like i think that in baltimore city there was a time and i don't know if this is still the rule on record but if you had missed 20 days right i think 20 days was, was was the norm number then you had to repeat the grade right so like if you missed 20 days during the school year unexcused absences then you would have to repeat the grade h what is the repercussion for if the teacher missed 20 days
1: ask the union no, I'm the, kids have, the kids don't have the kids don't have no
0: union though age the kids don't have a union right yeah. and so like you got if you if you you know if, we, if we're expressing upon these students right like you need to be at school you know here's the reason why you need to be at school and then also so much to the point to where we're like parents if your kid is not at school then we're going to hold you legally accountable for your kid not being at school. Yeah. But then the adult that's supposed to be in charge of your kids learning is always not at school. That's a problem.
1: That's a problem. That's a problem.
0: That, and, and, But that's a, that's a problem that we don't talk about enough. That's
1: true. Right? It's
0: that's a problem true. that we don't talk about enough because here it is. Now you're going to have a kid that is going to lose that year of learning, those years of gain that they're supposed to get from their teacher, right? So if you get somebody that coming that's coming in that's behind grade level two, three years, and this was going to be the catch up year, especially if it's a pinnacle year, like a third grade year, yeah, yeah. right? Because that third grade data says so much about the trajectory of that student, right? Yeah. And so I have a bad third grade year because my teacher is not there, then the rest of my life
1: could potentially be impacted. Yeah, I get it. We we gotta. Yeah. We got some work to do. We got some work to do. We got some work to do. <laughs> All right,
0: I won't I won't, I won't muscle you into saying nothing. All right. So, mentorship and mentors, right? Cuz there's a difference. So like what what's your take on mentorship and mentors in terms of uh teachers in the classroom? Yeah,
1: so I think about it in a few ways. I think about the the act of mentoring and how we help name and and invite folks who can serve in that mentor role. I think when I think about the people who helped pour into me or who I thought of as mentors, they weren't people who were formally like assigned to me. It wasn't like, this is your mentor and you're supposed to do this and this and this, this many times. And so I think that that relationship and the pouring into of people is important. And I think that mentors are important too, because we have a tendency to think that a mentor is necessary for someone who has a problem, mm. who has a, a need or who's a gap. Oh, they're struggling, their behavior problems. Someone's going to give them a mentor instead of us realizing that we can all benefit from mentors, mm. even as adults, even in our professional world, yeah. because too often we don't have people who are We have people who are colleagues and we have folks who may be our peers. But if I go to my leadership team with a question, I need to acknowledge my positionality and that me asking and naming for something mm. might not mean yeah. that they're going to be honest with me. They may be thinking that the yeah. person wants me to respond a certain way, or I can't say that, or they may think, well, if she's asking us for, for ideas then what kind of leader does that make her? And so there is something about mm-hmm. mentors and mentorship. So doc, who's not here with us today, mm-hmm. often talks about sending the elevator back down.
0: No, that's me.
1: That's you that's in the elevator. Somebody mm-hmm. talks about sending the elevator back then. <laughs> And the importance of that with with mentors and -hmm. and that that's something that a mentor can do. A mentor can make a phone call. They're the ones who should be speaking your name in rooms that you haven't been in yet. Mm -hmm. And we have to like disrupt the thought of like only struggling teachers need mentors or only Mm -hmm. new principals need mentors or only Mm -hmm. new folks in this need mentors. We can all be strengthened by mentors and relationships and from assigned and informal connections mm-hmm. that we have with people who will push and encourage us to of do course. What we need to do. Of, of course, don't listen, I have a enough. I have
0: a I have a philanthropy mentor. I have a, assigned
1: people or like informal? Like throughout uh, your life, they just have become No,
0: I, I've assigned them.
1: Okay.
0: I have a higher ed mentor. I have a superintendent mentor. I have a young genius mentor, someone that is uh, is is younger than me that I know that I can learn from. I think that's important. That's a point that we don't we don't necessarily hit on. Like everybody should have a mentor that is younger than them that bridges the gap for generations.
1: Love Are you mentoring other people?
0: I am. I am absolutely mentoring other people. I feel like you got to send you, you got to send an elevator back down, right? Mm-hmm. And so, um, you know, but I have expectations of my mentors. Like we gotta we gotta learn. We gotta I gotta be able to learn from you, right? And you gotta be able to learn from me, because the the learning in in a mentor mentee relationship is not just one sided, right? We're both learning from each other, and I think that a lot of times we're getting into these relationships with folks or whatever, and like. There's a certain power dynamics that exist that shouldn't, right? Like yeah. my mentee should know that, hey, you're just as equipped and able to give me information to make me a better person as I am to impart that wisdom on you, right? And so I think that you know that's 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 how we have to look at those things. Yeah.
1: Why Why don't we talk about mentors enough as much more? Why don't we talk about it and name it and like? Because you know why something that
0: I'm gonna tell you, I'm gonna tell I'm gonna tell I'm gonna tell you why, especially when it comes down to black school leaders. When you are assigned to school as a black school leader, in your mind, because of a level of arrogance that you may have from receiving that assignment, you think that you should know everything. Huh. Right? And if you don't know everything, you feel like if you don't know and other people find out that you don't know, then that's a weakness right yeah but if you look at it in its totality the weakness is you not being able to admit the fact you don't know something
1: Mm.
0: right and so and and, especially with black men like that that, that's toxic masculinity
1: yeah i didn't feel like that as from when i was a principal i felt like i didn't receive adequate mentorship or frankly um healthy collegial relationships because the way I experienced it uh-huh. was that we were folks were so busy trying to not be the school on red, uh-huh. or not be the uh-huh. one in trouble. Uh-huh. That when we were together, we couldn't be honest about what was happening because uh-huh. folks just wanted to use it as an. And part of it was survival because they uh-huh. knew that this may be the only time they get to talk with mm-hmm. other people. And so if the narrative was school X is a terrible place, then as soon as you got with that school, they were, you know, at my school we are doing this and this. <laughs> and so everybody was so busy trying to like yeah. create, disrupt the narrative that they weren't that school that nobody was ever honest and said like, this shit is crazy. <laughs> I don't know what to do. I'm trying to read this article. I'm picking yeah. a coach or I'm just enrolled in a class. Yeah, so I think, and I don't I can't speak to how successful school leaders yeah. or in districts that are not looked at like that. Yeah. But but there were so many missed opportunities that that yeah. the good, strong, wonderful, successful school leaders just couldn't keep it 100 with one another. Mm. They were so busy trying to just pretend that everything was okay because they didn't want to be that school they didn't want to be that leader they didn't want to just make you believe that the same thing was was happening with this which is why we would always let people come and visit us and they would come and be like well the children are so well behaved here <laughs> what do you expect for them to be well, because all they knew was that my school was in this kind of area yeah. this kind of population and this yeah. kind of thing and so they yeah. well look at them <laughs> there's this was this was wonderful and then yeah. you're like yeah like my we all have five-year-olds who like to run down the hallway, right? Yeah. Regardless of what part of the world they're in, because they're five and five-year-olds run. Like, it's yeah. just, just what we do. But um, I wish that, that there, I hope that there is someone who is thinking about how to improve that for school leaders, because mm. it's a missed opportunity, and, so, and we didn't do enough, we didn't do enough of that.
0: So, wait, so here's, here's, here's what I'm going to do. Here's my commitment towards that, uh, tw- towards that that goal, it's uh any school any new school leader that i bring in any new school leader that is, is new to the position next year i'm gonna mandate and pay for a mentor for that person That's right? i'm gonna i'm gonna make sure that it's a match right gonna make sure that you know that, that uh the personalities match and, and or whatever you know but like yeah i want to make sure that they have that mentorship or whatever like confidential mentorship so that they are able to make really good decisions um, but but then also when I co- when I'm coaching my leaders like I'm coaching them to make bad decisions like I'm coaching them to like you know make bad decisions, learn from the decision that you made, right, and then uh, make the proper adjustments in order for you. Like don't fear failing, right? Failure right. like, shouldn't be your fear. Like you should be, you should have a growth mindset in terms of like, all right, well, I didn't do this. I didn't do this to the best of my ability, but now I'm going to coach you up. We're going to talk about the things that you could have done differently. So next time you're not going to make the same mistake right. and you're going to think more critically when it comes down to making good decisions for kids. Right. I feel like that's like super important. And that's something that we miss a lot.
1: I agree. I agree for sure. But too, too many people have to learn that on their own and they take on, they, they feel bad when, when teachers leave, they feel bad when kids don't, make
0: something they they feel i don't i do not like i I learned my lesson right like sometimes you got hey sometimes people make people make decisions that are in the best interest of them and you got to be okay with the fact that people are making these decisions that are in the best interest of themselves yeah right and as long as i'm a school leader i'm never gonna make a, a decision that's in the best interest of me because that's not why i'm here yeah i'm gonna make decisions that are in the best interest of my students and even if that ruffles the feathers of <laughs> folks that it needs to ruffle the feathers of, hey, that's why I don't have no friends.
1: And <laughs> I'm, a, I'm a lonely anyway. Yeah. Yep. Even when you make the decision, if it's not the the best one, yes. there's a level of of humility and humility yes. where you can be like, you know what, I think I blew it. Yeah. Maybe I thought that was going to work out differently than it yeah. did. You get an opportunity to model that for your leadership team, to model that. And and <laughs> you need to model that for students and families. Like, you know what? I thought that was going to work out, and that was just a bust.
0: Yes. I will, hey, listen, I will, I will, hey, listen, I will say, I like, parking situations, whatever, with, 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 with my parents, I'm like, damn, I thought that was going to be a lot better than what it was. <laughs> I we, think hey, that we, was And <laughs> We're going to do better next time. Don't worry. You know, listen, we learn from you know, it, I was but... trying
1: to figure out this this
0: thing yeah. about we
1: had so many young people who would come to school late.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, for whatever reasons. And I was like, yeah. well, what if we made specials happen first thing in the morning? No kids way. like specials. This is yeah. me. I don't even know no yeah. Yeah. Kids like specials. They'll get to school, right? Yeah. When it was the end of the term, we had so many kids who, like, had never seen the PE teacher. Like, <laughs> <listen>. <laughs> Like, just because specials were like at eight in my mind. I'm like, they can start at 845. They can do the yeah. breakfast in the music room and the art room. Yeah. And my leadership team is like, I don't think that's a good idea, Prince <laughs> <laughs> like, We're going to do it. And then by the time we get to core instruction, everybody will be here because we're trying to get tier one. Yeah. yeah. That was a bust. And the next year we went back to that. <laughs>
0: hey, listen. Hey, you, hey look, the crazy thing about it, right, is that, Real really good leaders. Would have stopped that like half year. Like yo, I mean, hey,
1: it was like Christmas. Okay,
0: like, okay, okay. That. Like hey, listen, if if, if I'm if I'm I doing something, let it
1: go for a year because it would have been I, a meeting.
0: If I'm doing something and it's not working, yeah, I'm not even gonna give it no wait time. I'm but not that's even.
1: why you need those people around you, right? Because you yeah. that's the thing. You want to and be innovative in a way mm-hmm. that can allow space for new ideas, You yep. try new things. Yeah, you want to look at the data and monitor it. Yep. You want to do something long enough to see if it'll stick, but you got to know when to throw in the towel yep. so that Rocky don't die, right? So that hey. Apollo, don't <laughs> it. I mean, that so Apollo don't die. Throw yeah. it in the towel. like you got to know when to call it before yeah. it gets be too
0: late. Okay, I call it, I call it the, the the Kenny Rogers rule.
1: Know when to hold
0: them and fall. You gotta know when to hold them. You gotta know when to fold them, baby. That's,
1: a, that's Apollo Creed and Drago, <laughs> Rocky Four, and throw in. Well,
0: you gotta throw it in. So you you said a trigger word, right? You said uh lack of innovation. Well, no, you said innovation, which made me think of this next topic, which is lack of innovation. Which I, it was our last topic for the hour. So what did you mean by this when you said lack of innovation in school? So
1: you know, here we are, two years post the COVID. And everybody's back and people are having proms and graduations and masks and off. And it's like nothing ever happened. Right. And I think about those two years when we were so busy thinking about how we were going to respond. Let's reimagine schools. Let's reinvent schools. Let's reinvent, reinvent, reinvent. Now prior to the pandemic, anytime you ask people what they need, it was like we need more money. We need more money for this, we need more technology for this, we need more programs, we need more of this. And when it came down to it and we got all this a massive amount of money mm-hmm. for Recovery and Cares Act, mm-hmm. the best we could do was more of what we had always done. I just haven't seen people come up with new ways of learning or new schedules mm-hmm. or new programs or new courses. And so it made me think about the importance of vision and innovation and throwing things against the wall to seeing what sticks mm-hmm. and and how, if we had been a culture that had done more of that, when somebody gave folks an extra million dollars, an extra $500,000, they would have done more than just, well, let's just do more PD. Mm-hmm. And I have yet to see anybody who has used CARES Act money in a way that has been innovative and, and not just more of the same thing. And I think that was a missed opportunity. And so it made me figure out, like, so why why aren't we innovative in school? Why aren't we more creative? Why aren't we thinking more outside of the box instead of trying to do things the same way we always have done and then being disappointed at the results. We keep talking about like, you know, young pe- people are so up in arms about young people missing, they're two years behind. Well, hell, we didn't have kids who've been in school for years who've always been behind.
0: <laughs> always. <laughs> right? you know, now
1: all of a sudden we concerned about kids on the red. We've had kids on the red since I was in school. <laughs> so- This is not a concern about young people who are are in the red or falling behind. This is a concern about the tension between what we need schools to be and do for the current day Mm -hmm. and the vision and and how we have to implement school today for a future that we don't know. And instead of us thinking about it in a way that is innovative, we keep trying to plan for a current future to prepare for a, a future... Plan for the present for a future we don't know based on a bunch of stuff in the past that never worked.
0: Yeah. Shout out, shout out my auntie Rose in 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 the comments. I see you, Rosie Ankrum, uh, <laughs> folks down in, in Covington, Louisiana, tuning in to the podcast. That makes me happy. Oh. Uh, mama Toya, you you my mama. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I ain't your mentor, I'm your son. <laughs> um yeah, so, H, let's go into final thoughts, man. Real good show with our uh, our, our other resident doctor in the <laughs> building. But, uh, you know, he'll be here next week. We'll get to him. Yeah. Um, so what's your final thoughts?
1: So my final thought is, you know... Um... I've been feeling a lot of gratitude lately. Today I did a quick little panel for Trinity College, Trinity University, and tomorrow they're celebrating like 125 years, and I got both of my masters from Trinity, and today I was talking to a group of people who are interested in enrolling, and the lady, Gail Murdoch, who I did my student teaching practicum with, logged on to the meeting. Um, and I was so excited. She's retired, been in the game 30 years. She was the first person who I learned to do my student teaching with at Peabody Elementary School in a pre-K-3 class. Mm. And she said, yeah, you know, that Heather Harrison always asked such good questions and she just wanted to know what she was doing wrong and how she can get better. And I just so my I said all that to say my final thought is just ingratitude um, of all the people who have encouraged me and poured into me and and who have seen more in me than i could even see for myself and and I hope that that people can continue to love and encourage one another um it's it it's not easy to do this work it's not easy to lead in a time like now and so um just grateful just grateful for people who looked out for me and and who helped me become a, a really dope educator and a dope school leader so
0: grateful for yeah. that today that's what's up man i'm proud of you h Thanks. Doing your thing I don't, I don't have any final thoughts uh i'll i'll i'll, I'll hold them in reserve Or uh, what did what did um uh, what did uh maxine walter says uh reclaim my time So, folks thank you for tuning in with us this week uh, hopefully you know you got some out of this show next week we'll be back at it appreciate you as always Love, peace, and happiness. We'll see you next week. Have a good one.